Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of December 1st, 2020, and episode number 460. And this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com. And I don't know about you guys, but here in Northeast Ohio, we are encountering... A winter storm warning. We have uh, lots of snow on the ground, lots of snow on the way, and it's December first, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be a year, I guess, of uh, snow or at least a season. The year is almost over, but uh, be careful what you wish for, because we still got another one coming next year, and hopefully, uh, twenty twenty one will be a little bit better, if not a whole lot better, than this year. But yeah, here in Ohio. We are experiencing weather of the winter kind, and you know we we know we're used to that. It happens, uh, but it hit all of a sudden, all at once, in pretty much a day and a half. We've got uh, where I'm at, I think uh, eight inches of snow just in about ten to twelve, ten to twelve hours, something like that, and it's coming down still. Uh, so yeah, it's fun. Uh, anyway. Well, yes, it is December 1st, and tonight I've decided we're going to go ahead and we're going to start the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2020. It seems really weird to do it, but I guess it is December, and I generally wait till December to, to do that and always cross my fingers and cross my toes to uh, not have a story that bumps anything else out of the top 10 and we got a story tonight that uh, I keep thinking, ah, you know, it's not going to get any bigger. It's not going to get any bigger, but it's getting big. And uh, it's a story we talked about um, last week. And there's even more sides to that. Uh, we got a couple of, of stories tonight that we're going to follow up on right before we get into. Uh, I'm only going to do two. So I'm going to do the uh, number 10 and number nine story of 2020. And I'll kind of give some things away because you'll notice uh, if you've been paying attention to the paranormal news, you'll notice a, a handful of stories. I'll actually talk about a handful of stories that didn't make it. I actually whittled it down to 35 stories, and it ended up uh, – yeah, that was a lot to, to go. You know, about 10, 15, I cut right out right off the, the top, almost at a top 20. Kind of thought about it for a minute, but uh, that'd be a lot of a lot of stuff to have to uh, put together. So I uh, opted just to continue to keep it as a, a top ten. But we'll uh, kind of look at some of those that didn't make the cut tonight and uh, other nights as we get closer to the number one story, which probably is not a a huge surprise. It's just kind of the way I. Put them all together, I think, is, is the big deal. And that is all I have for my pre-stuff here. Yeah, we're done with that. So let's get into the news. And, uh, oh, yeah, one more thing. So 
the uh, events page, which was a complete disaster all year long with crossing things off, things getting canceled, things getting delayed, uh, postponed, everything. Well, starting to honestly look at it and going to start working on 2021, since a lot of these dates are already set for next year, I'm going to spend a little bit of time once I get caught up on the, the rest of the top 10, get that all written out and get it ready, uh, get it formatted to uh, to present to you guys, as well as to put it on the blog. And so you can uh, get all the links and some photographs, as well as the uh, story behind the stories. Um, I'm going to get that uh, conference and conventions page kind of worked on, kind of ironed out, a little filed down, get it uh, sharpened up as we head into the 2021 season. So if you know of any conference or convention that's not on that list, feel free to let me know. You can uh, find me on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, I guess you could try on Instagram. I think I still kind of check that with uh, every now and again. But uh, Paranews Insider. So Facebook forward slash Paranews Insider and Twitter at Paranews Insider is how you get a hold of me. You can also email me through the website, there is a form on uh, paranewsinsider.com that you can get a hold of me uh, fairly easily, uh, with hopefully within 24 hours, even if I'm at work, try to respond. Oh, I had a long day today, 13-hour day. Anyway, so no actual, actual paranormal news, which is really weird. I think it's the first time. And maybe second time all year long. So no cryptid news tonight. No UFO news tonight. Well, maybe kind of partially some UFO news. And uh, not exactly ghost news, although I do have a story I've been putting off for a couple of weeks. But we'll see where the time takes us. If I have to double back, I will double back to that story. Uh, So we're going to kick it off with some other news tonight. And we're going to pick up where we left off last week with uh, probably one of the biggest stories going on right now. It's probably the biggest story we've had in uh, months going on right now. And and I guess it's not technically paranormal. It's just kind of an oddity thing, which is why it may or may not make the top 10. You'll have to find out here in about uh, 20, 25 minutes. But last week I talked about uh, not only is it a big story, it's probably one of the strangest stories of the year. I mean, 2020 is already strange enough, but this was a really strange story. And the odd discovery of what is being called the Utah monolith. I'm sure you've seen some stories about that. It's, it's continuing to evolve. Uh, it's evolved even more tonight, right before the show. There's some new information. Um, it's got a whole lot stranger, and it's uh, escalated rather quickly from last week's show. So, kind of bring you up to date on this. Officials located a strange three-sided stainless steel structure, uh, pretty much by pure luck. It's um, back on November 18th. So they were surveying the area for bighorn sheep. So they, a bunch of biologists in a helicopter flying around the Utah desert, uh, southeast Utah desert, when one of them uh, spotted this uh, this big silvery object sticking up 
it wasn't, you know, it's, it was down in a, in a little canyon here. So they luckily spotted it. Uh, they flew almost directly over top of it. But they, they spotted it. They circled back and they landed and decided to get a better, better look at it. They should have just kept going in all honesty and hindsight's 2020, but uh, I think they're thinking, wow, we really created a disaster. Um, but they landed the helicopter. They went up to it. They uh, posed with it. They took some videos and uh, made a few observations before heading back to their work. I think. I don't know. Maybe they just took the rest of the day off after that. Uh, on November 20th, so two days later, the Utah Department of Public Safety posted photos of the pillar on Instagram. And the story kind of took off a little bit. It wasn't huge. Uh, but it was starting to get a little traction. Uh, read about it in a few sources, but it really hadn't hadn't really taken off a whole lot. Uh, but three days later, they posted videos of the object, and this is when the story just literally exploded. It went uh, everywhere: CNN, uh, Fox, uh, all over the UK. I mean, some of the UK tabloids had already picked it up, but now it was. Uh, Pretty much worldwide. It was covered by everybody from Australia to uh, Japan, China. I mean, everybody was talking about this story uh, by the 23rd. And it was a huge interest. And, of course, when uh, this became an interest a little bit more than just people like us here in the paranormal that have an interest in this kind of weird, wacky stuff uh, – it created a huge interest, of course, in people trying to locate the monolith. And the Utah Department of Public Safety described the object as a monolith. So they used that in their initial description. And a lot of people began making the connection to the movie 2001, A Space Odyssey. Now, that's come forward uh, within the last couple of, uh, well, probably the last two days or so. People are, are saying that... Uh, this is a um, kind of a ploy because they're they're going to reboot that, uh, but nobody has any any information about a space odyssey, uh, space odyssey at all being rebooted or a new movie or anything like that. So I don't think that's part of it. Um, but a lot of people are making some assumptions about what happened here. But uh, less than forty eight hours after these videos erupted on the, the news sites and shared on social media everywhere. It took less than 48 hours for a Reddit user, his uh, name Tim Slane, to figure out where the structure was and then post coordinates for the structure on social media and then for people to find it in real life. IRL, as they say. I don't know who they are, but they're pretty hip and cool. They have nice hairdos, cool clothes. So it took less than 48 hours for people to figure out where it is and to arrive. Uh, so Tim Slane, he used the flight path of the helicopter along with some details from the videos and Google Earth to track down the location of the object and, of course, let the whole entire world know about it, which is a really smart thing to do. But, you know, somebody would have figured it out anyway. You know, I was kind of curious when I saw it. I kind of thought about it. I'm like, mm, nah, got more important things to do. Um, and I'll show you a little screen clip of what that looks like. So in the chat room, 
Uh, got a little photo of what it looks like on Google Earth. It's really not that much. If you really didn't pay attention or really didn't look hard, you might not find it. Uh, it's just basically a shadow in the desert. Um, but using understanding where this was and, and the type of landscape and topography where this monolith was located is uh, kind of how he narrowed it down. Of course, once he found it, posted it, uh, people were on their way. And of course, uh, days prior, the, the Utah DPS, Department of Public Safety, they did not disclose the location due to the area being remote. Uh, it was lacking cell phone service. That's uh, a pretty difficult area to get in and out of. It's dangerous as well. You don't want people going in there that don't know how to uh, operate a, uh, you know, an off-road vehicle or to uh, get stuck, which is exactly what happened. Um, but not only that, they didn't want people out there. They didn't say this. This was not part of their announcement of why they didn't want people there, but this was uh, another reason was the the area itself contains many Native American artifacts, including petroglyphs. Uh, there are all sorts of Native American. I mean, there's literally uh, arrowheads. They say that you can just walk and you see arrowheads just sitting there on the desert floor. Uh, so they don't want people going in there and messing with that or stealing these things, which is probably more than likely what happened. Um, there's also... A very little vegetation there, and there's some some things in that part of the desert that are very fragile. So they didn't want uh, off-road vehicles, trucks, cars, motorcycles, helicopters, blimps, whatever, making their way to this location. Uh, but they didn't. Again, they didn't really disclose all that information. They didn't want to help narrow it down. But again, it only took two days. Uh, once revealed that it was discovered, the location of the object was in a red sandstone canyon in Lockhart Basin in San Juan County in Utah. Uh, the land is now public land, but was once part of the Bears Ear National Monument, which was at the time a protected area of Utah. I believe that was back in 2015. It didn't last very long. Uh, the area was removed from the protected lands area in 2017 by President Donald Trump. So it went back into the public hands. And uh, once the location was posted, it was quickly shared throughout hundreds of uh, different social media, um, I don't want to say outlets, but, you know, individual users were sharing it all over the place. I saw it uh, numerous times. So I didn't really see it much on Facebook, but I guess it was on Facebook. Uh, Instagram was big. And once people started getting there, they were shooting their Instagram videos and then telling other people where it was because they didn't want other people to beat them there. Uh, but there were crowds. There were literally crowds of people out there. Uh, probably more people showed up at the monolith than at the Area 51 raid last year, which is kind of weird. Uh, it began to... Uh, it was a race to see who could get there first, but there was uh, every, I don't think anybody was actually first. I don't think a couple of people thought they were, but there were other people already there. Uh, so yes, hundreds of people made their way to the site over the last few days. And of course left behind waste and trash. And when I say waste, I mean waste. Uh, they destroyed a lot of plant life. 
A few cars had to be towed from the site after getting stuck in. Uh, reports were from people that were there that nobody, it wasn't like a, there's no roads. There's no, where we're going, there's no roads. Um, but uh, no roads in or out of that area. So people were just uh, making their way from wherever they could. So it was just cars everywhere in every direction, destroying pretty much everything in that area just to get to this this uh, structure. So, yeah, again, I think they're regretting letting people know where this thing was. Uh, the structure showed signs of tampering within a couple of days of being physically discovered. Uh, two rivets were removed from the top of the uh, the structure so that someone could peer inside of it to see what was inside. Uh, close to midnight on November 27th, two hikers were headed to the location of the object when they spotted a pickup truck driving away from the area with a large object in the bed. When they arrived at the location of the monolith, they discovered it was gone. And all that remained was a triangular hole in the ground and a piece of aluminum that used to be the top of the structure. Uh, but more details have come out. There was actually uh, the witnesses who were uh, at the structure when the actual theft occurred have, have just basically posted uh, this afternoon, came forward and said uh, what they'd seen. So the picture in chat, you see the desert floor, a triangular kind of a hole dug there, and the remnants of the top of the monolith there on the right-hand side. Uh, people were still posing with that. Uh, as, as of this afternoon, people are still posing with the, the remnants of this. So, uh, Ross Bernards posted on uh, Instagram. Uh, he was, uh, uh, there was four of them. So four people, three, three of his friends and himself, he drove uh, six hours down to the middle of nowhere in Utah uh, to find uh, the way to get in around seven o'clock. There was uh, tons of cars, he said, on the way to the the uh, the area. And then they had uh, there was a group there. Then they left. They were there for about an hour and forty minutes. They had the whole entire place for themselves. They were getting ready to uh, take off. They heard some people coming, and they figured, you know what, it'd be nice if you know these people just had the monolith for themselves, like we did, you know, at midnight. And uh, they said before they could leave, four guys came around the corner. And two of them walked up to it. They gave a couple of pushes on the monolith. And uh, one of them said to the to the uh, to these uh, Ross and his friends, uh, "You better get your pictures." But then he pushed it over. And it uh, leaned to one side. He yelled to his friends that they didn't need any tools. And they. Uh, they recorded this saying, this is why you don't leave trash in the desert. All four of the guys then came up. They pushed it uh, pretty much to the ground on one side. And then they, they popped it out. And it landed on the ground. They broke it apart. And they took it a away in a wheelbarrow to their vehicle. Actually, no, that was uh, 8.48 p.m. local time. So uh, they said, leave no trace, which is a... If you've ever heard leave no trace, that's kind of what we, as a hiker, so I'm a backpacker as well. So uh, leave no trace. You don't leave trash in the desert. You pack in what you pack out. E even if you see trash, you try to pack that out as well. You try to leave the, you try to leave nature better than when you came in. 
if that's possible, which it's usually not. You're trampling all over everything. But, you know, I don't leave trash. Uh, I put out fires if people leave uh, small campfires or anything going. Um, you know, just try to do your best to, to not disturb nature as much as you can. So that was they made the comment about leaving no trace. And they uh, they left. They took off with this uh, busted monolith. So they took it with them. So uh, if they were just going to destroy it, they would have just left it there. I would have figured. Uh, but back uh, on November 28th, the Bureau of Land Management announced that uh, on Facebook, the credible reports were made that the monolith was removed on November 27th and that they would not pursue any investigation into its disappearance. So the Bureau of Land Management, the Department of Public Safety, as well as the Utah Department of Heritage and Arts all stated the object uh, being placed on public land was illegal to begin with. So they don't really care pretty much what happened to it. And the Department of Heritage and Arts also added that it was vandalism. So putting the structure in the desert where it was was vandalism. And it pleaded with people to put their curiosity aside and think about the ancient artwork that could be destroyed in an effort to see this contemporary piece of work, which is uh, very temporary, on top of being contemporary. Uh, a number of attempts have been made uh, to figure out who actually put this monolith up, but uh, all these guesses have been pretty much wrong. People have said it was one artist, but this artist died in 2011. Well, the uh, the structure is a little bit newer than that. And it's unlikely anyone's going to step forward after this complete debacle uh, because there's fingers pointing in a lot of different directions and um, all the destruction that happened out there in the desert is just unbelievable. And despite accounts early on in its discovery, the monolith is not 40 or 50 years old. Uh, they made the comment about that, and that's still circulating. Uh, using Google Earth, some people were able to, uh, I mean, I could do this. Uh, you can see that the structure was put in sometime around August 2015 and September of 2016. But a Dutch journalist using a Maxar satellite image, uh, actually multiple images, he narrowed down the time frame to July 7th, 2016 to October 21st. 2016. So sometime in that time frame is when this monolith was erected in the desert. Uh, so still doesn't help. Nobody stepped forward. We still don't know uh, who has it and who had it, who built it, who put it in, and uh, who actually has it right now. Uh, either way, it makes no difference. Somebody decided to be uh, greedier than others. Everybody wanted to go see this, but now this this... Uh, four guys, which, uh, you know, who is it? Ben Franklin said uh, two people can keep a secret if one of them are dead. Something I think it was something like that. Sounds sounds good. Uh, so four people. I'm sure this is eventually going to get out. And especially uh, this next part of the story, which is um, also kind of late breaking. Uh, the uh, It's kind of funny, actually. The Ripley's, who does the Believe It or Not stuff. So Ripley's has offered a $10,000 reward 
to the first person who comes forward as the proud legal owner of the monolith or provides accurate information exclusively to Ripley's on where to actually find it. So this is only uh, this uh, Utah monolith. They're offering $10,000 to locate this thing. But from the sounds of it, uh, from the description of uh, Ross Bernard's uh, witness who saw this thing topple and be ripped apart, I I don't think there's much left of this thing, uh, if anything. And uh, how do you trust... You know, anybody can get some aluminum, bend it up, and try to pass it off as the, the monolith at this point. So uh, I think that's bad on their part to uh, throw money in the, in the middle of this. It's, it's, it's an embarrassment, pretty much, this entire story. Um, just uh, absolutely destroyed. Uh, Ross Bernard's described seeing at least 70 different cars and an airplane as they were headed in and out. Cars were parking everywhere, all over the delicate desert landscape um people were coming from every direction to try to reach this thing and the the landscape is just absolutely destroyed um but you know in the desert it's going to take in that part of that kind of desert it's going to take a long time for it to uh it could take a long time could actually take maybe 100 or 200 years or longer because it's not like they get tons of rain there uh, the winds are, are generally calm in this part of the desert, from what I've read. So it's it's going to be a, a long time. And if you know if they go out there, granted it's public property, so I'm not sure if anyone's going to go out there and, and try to do any cleanup or try to uh, find to see if anything was destroyed. But just an absolutely horrible story. Uh, the way it turned out, it, it was kind of cool to begin with, and then it was just kind of horrified over the last couple of days to read about all these things. And then today to, to read about uh, a monetary reward of $10,000 for information or the actual structure. Just insane about this. And yeah, definitely no artist is going to step forward at this point to claim it. Uh, I was hoping that uh, all would go well and, you know, maybe somebody would, would move it or remove it or, put it in a museum or something and maybe the artist would step forward but now this debacle the desert being destroyed and just i shouldn't say destroyed but just being tore up uh, i don't think we're gonna see and somebody's gonna have uh, some bills to pay if if that were to, the case if somebody is discovered to be the person behind it so yes we have this utah structure but We've been paying attention. Uh, this is uh, really ramped up in the last, gosh, less than 24 hours. Probably the last 18 hours the story has gone really viral with the second part of this. So if that wasn't strange enough to have a strange monolith discovered in the middle of nowhere, what are the odds that the same story literally repeated itself in another part of the world? So last Thursday, November 26th, another triangular monolith structure was discovered on a hill near an important archaeological landmark area in Romania. You got pictures of that one as well. If you've not seen that one, it's not as cool looking. I don't think it's as cool looking as our Utah desert one. 
these things are going to be popping up everywhere, I think. Uh, you can see this is uh, along a, a service road here, so it's not out in the middle of nowhere completely. And this structure here is billed as being 13 feet tall. And the one in Utah, I've heard everything from 9 feet to 13 feet as well, but uh, I think it's probably right around 10. Well, it's right around zero now. Uh, and culture and heritage official uh, Roxana Josanu said, uh, quote, it's on private property, but we still don't know who the monolith owner is yet. It's in a protected area on an archaeological site, unquote. And yet that sounds eerily familiar. Private property, don't know who the owner is. Protected area near an archaeological site. Weird. So my guess is this second monolith was uh, constructed and planted as a reaction to the large story coming out of Utah. Uh, somebody was trying to cash in on a large story uh, to get some attention. Uh, the land suggests that digging was done very recently, and the structure seems to suggest a rush job of construction. So somebody put this together. Maybe they had it laying around the parts and pieces, and they just kind of rushed it together, and um, the area where it's dug in is uh, fresh. So somebody just put it there. So... And witnesses in the area knew it was not there just days prior. So this brand new thing just chucked into the uh, into this area again, probably just as a reaction to this other story. And while the news reports all over the United Kingdom and Europe plugged the appearance of the Romanian monolith and uh, kind of laughed at the United States for the dis disappearance of the one in Utah, yeah. Something strange yet ha expected uh, happened again. This one, sometime on November 29th, the Romanian monolith disappeared, leaving only a light snow-covered area where the object once stood. So it uh, completely mirrored the one in Utah, for the most part. Um, I don't have the snow-covered picture. Yeah, it just uh, it's gone. It's gone. Uh, so both of them have disappeared. Uh, no reward for the one in Romania as of yet, from what I've heard. Gone. Uh, the Utah one, just a, I would say just a complete and absolute embarrassment. Uh, way worse than the Area 51 joke of a story from last year. Just all the destruction in the desert. Uh, they don't even know the scale yet of how much has been destroyed There's still cars out there it's going to be a car graveyard i think out there in the utah desert yeah you'll be able to spot them on google earth probably for the next few years so that'll be a little trivial thing going forward so monolith news strange stuff uh but did the monolith story Make the top 10. That's the million-dollar question tonight. So, uh, you know, I weighed very heavily because uh, this is a pretty big story. It's pretty viral. It's been out there for a little while. It's gained a lot of traction. Um, but the only thing keeping me from putting it in the top 10 is the fact it really has nothing to do with the paranormal 
for the most part. I mean, you could you could argue 2001 A Space Odyssey. You could argue that it's a conspiracy theory. Uh, there's a lot of things you can argue about it, but uh, it's just just somebody put something out there, and they shouldn't have, and then people were bored and uh, destroyed the desert to go find it. So it doesn't really move anything forward. Uh, it doesn't move anything back as far as uh, the paranormal is concerned. That's really the only thing keeping this out of the top ten for me, although we did cover it. We did talk about it for two weeks here, and uh, chances are more information will surface between now and next week. I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. Uh, so I'm sure we'll revisit this story again. And I don't know if it continues to uh, to blossom or continues to percolate through the the news. Perhaps, perhaps I will have to go back on my word of not putting it in the top ten, and maybe it shall. But right now, it's it's uh, sitting comfortably, putting a little pressure on my number ten story, sitting in number eleven. But I, it's it's very close. And uh, I'll, I'll let you guys be the judge. So when I get to the actual number 10 tonight, and you don't think that's a, a big enough story, my argument's not good enough, well, fine. I'll, I'll change it. Uh, this, this show's not just my show. It's your show, too. So uh, I will uh, make that fair. So um, I won't stuff the vote box. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I have enough people in the chat room. We can make a decision, I guess. Um, so... Last week, we did talk about the monolith story, but we also talked about the announcement by the National Science, uh, I'm sorry, the National Scientific Foundation that the Arecibo Radio Telescope would be decommissioned and demolished in the coming weeks. It's gone. Uh, but scientists, experts, and Puerto Ricans have all begun using social media and other things to help try and save the 57-year-old observatory. They don't want it to go away. It's, it means a lot to a lot of people uh, professionally and personally, and it means a lot to the community in various ways. Uh, people began using the hashtags Save the Arecibo Observatory as well as hashtag What Arecibo Means to Me Seems like a lot of words. Just hashtags. Uh, as a platform to share the impact the observatory has had on them as uh, individuals, as well as overall with science, as well as the world. An official petition has begun on the White House webpage, which points out that the structure sits atop an aquifer so that if the telescope were to collapse on its own or even with a controlled demolition, could affect the local population. So them being able to get water, that's a concern. I mean, the infrastructure of Puerto Rico uh, in general has still not recovered from hurricanes and the earthquakes earlier this year. So they can't afford anything else to go wrong. Uh, but that's kind of where I get a little... I don't know. I, I kind of get a little funny about this. I'm thinking about all this money going to Arecibo when the country uh, itself, it's an American territory here. 
And there's people that still don't have electricity. There's still people that don't have water. Uh, I don't know, but we want to rebuild a 60-year-old telescope. I don't know. Uh, the petition urges the Army Corps of Engineers or another agency to evaluate the telescope's structure to see if it could be stabilized. Now, obviously, uh, there was already, I think, three independent groups that went out there and surveyed the area. They used drones and other techniques uh, without really putting any weight on the structure or lifting it up or doing anything, just, just observations, photographs, and and uh, other means without actually touching anything to see if there was any way they could uh, stabilize it or repair it without further damage or potential collapse. And and all three basically said, no way, this thing is its surprising it hasn't fallen on its own. We don't know why. These cables broke, so there's no way to really know whether or not it's going to just fall on its own. So uh, probably the best thing to do is just uh, control demolition, get it uh, knocked down while you can control that. So it's not destroying everything because they plan on keeping some parts of the area uh, intact for the scientific future, uh, basically. But this uh, White House webpage official petitions uh, gathered, uh, it has to gather 100,000 signatures. So I'm not sure if you've ever seen these things, but you got to get 100,000 signatures in 30 days to get an official response from the White House, which I think takes, I think it takes two days or something like that. They'll respond. Uh, so far, the petition has acquired uh, 45,000 signatures. I haven't looked at it. Let me look at it now. Uh, 45,000. So it's not really moving along all that much, I don't think. But uh, let's see. Okay, so it, it needs 36,000. 267 signatures. So there's uh, 63,000. So almost 64,000 people have signed it. So it's gained gained some traction. Uh, but it still needs another 36,000 to uh, to actually get uh, a discussion. That doesn't mean that they're going to actually do anything. It just means they're going to say something. Um, a response. But uh, I don't know, again, how much you know about these White House... Uh, things but these petitions but um, if you see some of the ones that are in there and I'll, I'll leave a, a link to that in the chat room so if you guys are interested in checking that out or uh, signing it yes I did sign it myself I signed it I think uh, to to see independent or other you know not leaving it to the NSF uh, I think to have an, other people view this or other people say uh, whether or not this thing is worth it, I think is is worth a chance. You know, this isn't if this if this goes through, we get a hundred thousand signatures. It's not as if they're going to definitely go and fix it, or they're definitely going to spend the money on bringing it back. It's just an, again another evaluation, uh, or or to contemplate doing it. So it, it's not a guarantee, and I'm not even sure. If it's going to be worth doing this petition, I I don't know if you've uh, if you look at this this uh, particular individual um, petition, uh, kind of carouse cur cur peruse, peruse, like that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, view 
some of these other petitions and you'll see what I'm talking about. There's some really crazy things that people are petitioning about trying to get uh, people involved. And they have way more signatures than this Arecibo thing. Uh, although most of these just like, I don't like so-and-so, so I want them in jail kind of thing. <sighs> Not all of them are bad, but, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if the petition is going to be worth it, what it's going to do. And again, they still have quite a few signatures to get in order to even just get a response. So the NSF stated that even if the structure um, could be stabilized, which they don't think it, it could be, uh, still likely cause long-term stability issues. And there's, again, still the potential for an uncontrolled collapse. So it, it could just fall apart at any moment in time, which, uh, I don't know, I shouldn't, probably shouldn't say this, but I kind of feel like any day now we're going to get news that it collapsed on its own. Uh, but uh, with hurricane season long gone, well, not long gone, but gone, hopefully, uh, there still exists the chance for earthquakes or anything else to, uh, you know, just a random, another cable breaks, that's probably pretty much it for that thing. Uh, regardless, many people are going to continue to push for the observatory uh, and, and for for good measure because, you know, one of the things that, you know, everything comes to an end. You know, this this observatory was built, uh, it was designed and, and uh, redone, not even using the original plans. It was just basically kind of put up, hap I don't want to say haphazardly, but kind of uh, redesigned on the fly. And it's a one-of-a-kind structure. There are other radio telescopes similar to it, but nothing completely like Arecibo. So, you know, it wasn't gonna, wasn't meant to last forever. I don't think there was any kind of uh, timeline as to how long it could last. And you know, this this discussion, I think we've talked about this on the show about four or five years ago, about the potential for Arecibo to be decommissioned uh, back then. So it's not. A surprise to a lot of uh, a lot of astronomers and other scientists that uh, this has happened, uh, but this particular observatory is still a critical eye for keeping track of near-Earth objects. And you know, we get reports all the time of uh, such and such or so and so uh, hunk of rock is is going to be passing between the Earth and the Moon and things like that. Or uh, on Christmas Eve, a large Asteroid is going to pass very close by to Earth, so close you can smell it. That's not real. That's just, you know, they make a big deal about all these things coming, you know, a few hundred thousand miles away. But now most of these observations are made by Arecibo. So uh, other, other um, observatories can do this, but uh, Arecibo was pretty much designed for this. And uh, it's going to be a huge loss. And I don't know if we can absorb, you know, other observatories can observe the critical eye that uh, Arecibo created to uh, keep track of all these things. And uh, I think, uh, you know, talking about these, uh, all the satellites and stuff the last couple of weeks, uh, the uh, Kessler syndrome and all that about all this space debris. Well, the uh, Arecibo telescope can actually track all that as well. And I, I think it would have been critical to uh, help stabilize near-Earth objects and, and get all that stuff uh, hopefully sorted out as well. But uh, now 
it looks as if it's gone forever. And with that, I'm going to uh, flip it over and we're going to look at the number 10 and number nine story of the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2020. And a lot of stories didn't make the cut. Like I mentioned, I've got 35 stories that uh, I wanted to, uh, that really caught my eye and the stories that really, uh, when I read it, it was like, oh gosh, yeah, I remember that one. That was a pretty good one. That was a pretty good one. And then I, I kind of weighed them in a way that uh, there's no formal format. I kind of look at it for, again, how viral they are. I think that's very important. Story has to be popular. Story has to be passed around. Uh, it doesn't mean it lasts forever. It just has to, uh, I would say most of these stories, I'd say almost all of these stories were pretty viral for their, during the time. Some of them just didn't get the traction of others, though. So that has one part of it. The other part of it is uh, what it has to do with the paranormal as well as its impact long-term or otherwise. Does it provide an answer to anything? Uh, does it provide us, uh, does it open new doors of discovery for anything paranormal related? Uh, you know, how does it affect the paranormal? That's probably the, the second part of it. So how viral it was and what it does for the paranormal. Yeah, there's a little bit more to it than that, but that's pretty much kind of how we uh, kind of how we weigh it, or how I weigh it. I guess it's just me, um, you know, looking at that. But it was a tough decision. It's, it usually is. I'd say every year it's like you could take the bottom five and the next ten and throw them in a blender. And I don't think anyone could really argue uh, some of these stories now. Uh, there's a few that didn't, like I said, didn't last very long. They didn't, didn't really splash a whole lot of front pages very long. And they just kind of got swept under the carpet. Or ones that really never even got that far. They're just really interesting stories, uh, in, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, a handful of stories. A lot of viral videos. Uh, the Gettysburg Ghost video back in September. You guys remember that one? Uh, the um, the Workout Ghost video. That one was pretty close, actually. Because uh, one of the reasons why was because a solution was discovered. If there was no solution, I wouldn't have ranked it as high as I did. I actually put that 13th. Not that it really matters. The 11 through 35 doesn't really matter, but... I also put the Brazil UFO crash. That didn't actually happen. The story went viral, but nothing really actually happened. Nothing verified. Uh, no, a couple of claims, but it was all just really just the internet hoax to get attention. So that didn't crack the top 10 because nothing really happened. I also had the Wisconsin Bigfoot Bulletin. That was uh, in there. That was uh, late September. Same week as the Gettysburg ghost video. Um, British Bigfoot sightings. Sometimes I lump stuff together, and we'll see that as we head into the top ten. Uh, I, I sometimes will lump things together because individual stories themselves may not have the traction to get into the top ten. But if you have a, a theme 
I kind of, I guess the the term would be bundle. I kind of bundle stuff together, uh, and it gets up there. And granted, some stuff just stands on its own, and some of these stories kind of evolved over the year. Uh, so yeah, I've mentioned already that the Utah monolith slash Romanian monolith uh, fell down at uh, number eleven, and it was very tempted. Uh, had I probably gotten home earlier. Today, I might have bumped it into the top 10. I, I'm really considering switching it at this point, but uh, we'll see the next couple of days. I'm, I'll make a formal announcement next week, I suppose, as to whether it's going to crack the, the top 10. But uh, you can be the judge right here in the chat room as I announce the number 10 story. Is this number 10 story big enough? to bump that story out. Now, this story wasn't as viral, I don't think, as the uh, this monolith story. The monolith story has lasted a couple of, almost two weeks now, so, and it's still evolving. Well, this other story only pretty much lasted a day, and it was over. But I look at the impact of this moving forward, which it still not has been completely felt. So uh, I think this has a little bit more to do with the paranormal and number 10 story of the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2020 is, without further delay, well, there's a little more further delay there, but uh, it is about MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, and it's about the arrest of the director, Jan Harzan. And MUFON Mutual UFO Network is the largest UFO research and investigation outlet in the world. He was arrested back on July 3rd on charges of soliciting a minor for the purposes and engaging in sexual activity, according to the police report. The Huntington Beach Police Department arrested Harzan as well as another gentleman on July 3rd and July 8th, respectively, surrounding sting operations and adult men targeting minor females. Uh, a Facebook post on the Huntington Beach Police Department's page said in part, quote, on July 3rd, detectives contacted a male by the name of Jan Harzan after Harzan solicited sexual activity from a detective that he believed was a 13-year-old girl. The suspect solicited the minor to meet for the purpose of engaging in sexual activity and when the suspect agreed to meet the supposed minor, detectives were there to take him into custody, unquote. Uh, also, according to the police report, Harzan was arrested on multiple felonies and was specifically targeting minor females online. Harzan retired from IBM after 37 years in the information technology business, according to his MUFON bio. Now, since this story happened back in July Third, I've really not heard or read anything else about this, uh, whether uh, this has gone to court or his court date, if he made bond or anything. Like, it's completely uh, – I mean, I, I haven't really gone to the uh, – you know, looked at the Huntington Beach um, courthouses, anything. I'm going to have to do that. That's the only way I'm going to get any information about this. But I have not seen anything evolve in it. Uh, it was something I planned on doing to, to really make sure that the story stayed in the top 10. Uh, but I haven't got around to that. But I uh, haven't heard any updates on this. You would have thought by now, uh, even with COVID, 
even with delays on, on a lot of these, these kinds of cases, uh, something would have been said uh, of a high-profile person. So why did this story make the top 10? Well, despite being threatened by the Utah and Romanian monolith, uh, again, the Brazil UFO crash, the workout ghost video, the Wisconsin Bigfoot bulletin, and a handful of other stories, this one affects the largest UFO organization in the world. And despite an uptick in popularity and recognition of UFO and related phenomena, this is another black eye for the organization, and really for the field of research as a whole as well, I think. Um, the short-term effects seem minimal. I mean, they just bumped the guy off. They uh, took him off the website, and they just uh, made somebody else the director. So just they kind of sidestepped it. They didn't really... Uh, they made a small statement about it, and they just moved on. Uh, but this story here may have a long-lasting effect. Uh, it's decidedly uh, made a lot of people quit the organization. A lot of people have moved on from this and decided that this is pretty much the, the last straw. Uh, so we'll see how this wears down the organization's foundation as well as its public trust. Now, again, the story kind of it was a flash in the pan and went away. Uh, which is my only kind of uh, hesitation about putting it in the top 10. But this could really affect UFO research and, and uh, especially MUFON itself as an organization moving forward. Uh, so why is the story only number 10 if it's such a big deal? Uh, although this was shocking, uh, it seemed to, again, seemed to disappear as quickly as it appeared. So uh, the MUFON director being arrested is your number 10 story. Of 2020, or is it? Do you guys think that the monolith thing beats this out? I still think I want to kind of wait. I'm going to wait a couple of days, let the dust settle. The dust in the Utah desert settle. Uh, the number nine story this year of the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2020. Oh, I thought I heard a drum somewhere. Uh, Lake Monsters, but not Loch Ness. All the other monsters that we heard about this year from Argentina, uh, Lake Champlain, China, South Korea. Uh, a lot of different monsters, and it's not you don't always get that every year. Uh, most years, it's just the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, but we had the, uh, let's see, the kayaker who uh, sadly... Uh, he died. He, he disappeared. They couldn't find him, but then they found his body about 20 miles away um, where he was last seen. Uh, there was high winds on the lake, so more than likely the cause of the death of the kayaker. But a video surfaced a few days later of what appears to be a large monster swimming behind, uh, beneath the surface of the lake. So doesn't show much more than a wave, but uh, created a lot of panic and, and people were drawing conclusions that this kayaker maybe uh, was knocked in the water and, and killed by this creature, which, uh, by local legend, is named Naholito. And the creature is many times described as a giant serpent, and many times uh, the same as a Loch Ness monster, and appears as a plesiosaur, plesiosaur, however you want to say it, I don't care. doesn't matter to me. In fact, a three-hour drive south of that lake is a small lake that is named Laguna del 
plesiosaurial for a, a, we, a reason, because it's uh, purportedly where a few other sightings have occurred of a plesiosaur-like creature, but it's a really small lake. And uh, rumors of this creature have persisted since the late 1800s, and the media took an interest, uh, heavy interest, in as early as 1922, which actually predates the Loch Ness Monster's popularity. Uh, then in February, we talked about uh, Lake Okanagan. That, of course, is home to Ogopogo in British Columbia, Canada. Uh, a video surfaced by uh, Blake Newdorf. He and his father were out on a dock at Lake Okanagan back on July 10th of 2018. But the uh, video finally hit YouTube on January 2nd of this year. And uh, took off at at least 50,000 views at the time. Uh, the video has been shared on numerous other sites. Um, doesn't show much more than a wave, though, in my opinion. Then in February, we had a strange creature that was seen on the beaches of Mexico. Didn't have a can of, or a bottle of Corona in his hand. Uh, people were walking along the beach uh, about a dozen miles or so northwest of Puerto Vallarta in Mexico on the Pacific coast when they spotted this uh, creature dead on the beach. I thought it was a dolphin, but this thing had extremely long tail, no fins and no eyes. It also had a mouthful of very sharp looking teeth. Uh, but basically this was just a, uh, a deep water creature. But uh, again, it was very viral and went all over the place. Then we had a mysterious 10 foot long creature in a lake in China that frightened videos or uh, villagers stunned the Chinese media and left everybody else uh, baffled. I love that word baffled. Uh, ended up being just a 10 second video shows this creature moving up and down at a fast speed. Um, but was billed as the Chinese version of the Loch Ness monster. Uh, thought to be maybe a crocodile, large snake or a shoal of fish, so a, a group of fish crowded underwater. And if you watch the video, near the beginning, you could see a small splash on the far side of the mass, about midway. Um, uh, this, to me, would indicate a small group of fish swimming together. But it was a pretty popular story. Um, then, of course, you know, I mentioned the Champ Challenge. This happened in early October. I guess... Uh, Lake Champlain, they doesn't get much attention anymore. So uh, people up there uh, issued a champ challenge. They want people to come forward if they have sightings or experiences uh, to get uh, a little bit more excitement and probably to sell some more T-shirts in the area. Uh, we also had uh, Adam Schwartz of Calgary. He was out in West Kelowna for Thanksgiving, which is uh, Monday, October 12th. He was hanging out near Lake Okanagan, and he... Uh, was hanging out and he saw a weird formation of waves and uh, got a video and he of course you get a, a video of what you think is of a strange creature and, and you got to put it on TikTok or other social media sites that's what you do you don't give it to a biologist or anybody like that you just you just upload it to social media so you know people can judge it on their own uh, in October we had uh, the story in China, North Korea, of the Lake Tianchi monster. 
or Heavenly Lake or of Tianjin or just Heaven Lake. Of course, that's in China or North Korea, or it's actually in both locations. Uh, it's an alpine drift lake that's formed from volcanic activity. It's part of the caldera, and it's, uh, it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful lake surrounded by snow-capped mountains. Uh, but when you stand back and you look at this this lake, you realize it's it's kind of it's elevated, and it's inside of a volcano. It's surrounded by other volcanoes, but it's so beautiful. Uh, the lake straddles North Korea to the southeast and China to the northwest. And it's recognized by the Guinness Book of, of Records, not world records anymore, I guess, as being the highest volcanic lake in the world. And it's considered a culturally significant area to all Koreans. Uh, the uh, video comes from the caretaker at the mountain known as Mr. Yu. And it was taken about 1,640 feet above the lake. And all you see is a little black dot in the film. But he says that black dot is probably pretty big from the distance that he's at. Uh, he was able to determine there were no boats because uh, the roads were shut down. So he knows it wasn't a boat. Uh, wasn't sure what it was on the water. So that's your number nine story for 2020 of the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2020 and of course there are four more weeks left or i should say four more tuesdays left in the month of december so uh i don't know we may not make all of them they have different things happen if i get uh, another bit of weather like we did tonight i don't know if i will work late or whatever whatever something may happen but at least we've covered two and uh Hopefully, we'll have all the rest of the top 10 to you before the end of the year. And then after that, we'll have that posted on the official blog site of the Paranormal News Insider as we move forward. So, yeah, we'll see if uh, if that monolith story cracks the top 10 or not. We'll see if it continues to evolve, more stuff happens. I may just give in. I might give in. We'll see. But... Uh, Thank you for tuning in tonight. Appreciate everybody in chat. Appreciate you. If you're not in chat, a big hello to Jim Mallard there in the chat room, the Mallard Report, which is uh, live usually after my show. But uh, yeah, stay safe. Have a great night. And I will hopefully see you next week. So keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, the hair standing on the back of your neck, and always keep your mind at least slightly ajar. Don't let your brains fall out, though. And above all else, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting. <laughs>